what you want, when you want it, where you want it. This is The Mesh. Foot Candle Films, film reviews and discussion from two guys who really like movies. This episode is brought to you by the Foot Candle Film Society. Do you enjoy seeing interesting movies that you may not see anywhere else? Taking part in discussions about those films and live in Western North Carolina? Then you need to come be a part of the Foot Candle Film Society. For a schedule of upcoming screenings and membership information, visit the Society's website at www.footcandle.org. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Foot Candle Films. This is our second episode, so we've got it completely mastered at this point. Is that right, Chris? Sure. We got past the first episode jitters. Everything's good now. So this should be just smooth as silk. I'm expecting no flub-ups, right. no mistakes. You're going to be blown away by the professional. The quality has incru- improved significantly. Definitely. Let's just say from one to two. So we're w- welcome. Uh, glad to have you here. This is Foot Candle Films. I'm Alan. This is Chris. Hello. Here with the Foot Candle Film Society. And we're here to review a film that we actually just saw just this last night. So we're going to talk about one key film, get into a little bit of movie news, and end with some of our own recommendations of films we think you may want to check out. So let's get it started. First thing we're going to be doing is giving our review of the film, Everything Must Go. Bro, I'll give you uh, 10 bucks for that twack right there. Aren't you a little young to be drinking beers? Aren't you a little old to be drinking that Slurpee there? Hi, uh, are you in there? If you are, can this happen another day? Getting rid of your old stuff? I got fired from my job and my wife left me. If I'm honest, I saw this coming a mile away. Thanks for warning me. Will Ferrell, star of such films as Winter Passing and Woody Allen's Melinda and Melinda, has a new movie, Everything Must Go, which is the story of a relapsing alcoholic, Nick Halsey, played by Mr. Farrell, who loses his job and gets thrown out of his house and then decides to have a yard sale in his front lawn. Okay. So if you're having trouble placing this newcomer, he was also an elf, old school anchorman and Talladega Nights. Oh, oh, right. Okay. Right. Yeah. I see where you're going with that. Got it. So my question for you, Alan, is yes. does this dramatic turn from Mr. Phil work for you or does it need a little bit more cowbell? <laughs> well, everything needs a little more cowbell. Okay. Oh, okay. There's no, so there's any no film dispute. can benefit by more cowbell. Of course, we're making references to the fact that, you know, Mr. Farrell is quite the funny man. He's known for a lot of Saturday Night Live work and some very, very broad comedies, uh, some great films, you know, Anchorman, Talladega Nights, some fun stuff. And I'm I'm a big fan of Will Ferrell's uh, comedic work. The one film I was familiar with that he had done that was uh, a little more in the dramatic tone was Stranger Than Fiction a few years ago, which I think is a really good movie. So you're asking me, did he match? I think so. I think he okay. did fine with this. Okay. I, I really thought, uh, you know, him playing a alcoholic, playing someone going through a really rock bottom part of his life, uh, dealing with relationship issues. I, I, I thought it worked. Um, I'd be lying if I didn't say that Will Ferrell as a personality can be a little, um, distracting hmm. to watch a film like this because I think you find yourself always wanting to see him say something funny. Gotcha. And when he doesn't, it, it's tough to reconcile that at times. It's tough to reconcile that, okay, he's not going for funny on this line. He's not going for funny on this delivery. Although, you know, please understand, this film did have a lot of funny bits to it. There were some great lines. There was some great delivery. Um, but ultimately, you know, I think he pulled it off. 
It's just, it was a little distracting to see someone who has become so ingrained in my brain as being this broad comedian where everything he says, you, you see the wheels turning that he is tur- finding a way to make it funny to then play a part where half of what he says is not meant to be funny. It's a little <laughs> tough to reconcile, but uh, what did you think? Well, I'm, I'm along the same lines. I w- was, I'm a big fan of Will Ferrell as well. Um, and I was looking forward to seeing him do a dramatic turn, but I must say because it had elements of humor in it, I then found myself just wanting there to be more, more humor, more humor. Yeah. Okay. And, um, even with the subject matter there, I mean, well, and that's the tough thing. This, yeah, the subject matter, I mean, mm. alcoholism. So, um, I thought they walked a good line of, you know, having it be in there, but not using it as a comedic device, you know, sure. not making fun of True. him falling down or doing all that, you know, it never got uh, ridiculous. It never got extreme. Like you could see in some much broader films. Yeah. Never slide. The slapstick was never used for yeah. that whole. So that was, that was good. But, um, well, I like the fact too, that, I mean, even though the film deals with alcoholism and yes, he does have his bouts with it during the course of the film, definitely, it never got so uh, melodramatic. Like you would see in some films where it's just this extreme, I'm, I'm drunk and I'm going to just act crazy and wild and be just so off the wall with it. And he, they never went there. And I think that was really admirable. You could tell he was suffering, but yet it was never so obvious that it was just what you expect from a stereotypical film about alcoholism. So Yeah, I think they, they really went for realism. And that was that, yeah, they didn't show you all these extremes high and low, like him going on a rage rampage right, or something. Exactly, it was just right. very, you know, down to earth seeming played for realism. And that, that was good. So um, I guess maybe I was expecting, yeah, I guess because of that, I guess they couldn't put a lot of humor in there, but yeah. because they had a little bit, I felt like it should just all be melancholy and none of it be funny. So well, you're in kind a way of, you're kind of leading me, me to my criticism of the film. though. Okay. Um, overall, I'll say I liked the film. I'm not going to say I loved it. Um, I was a little let down by it, but I went in, I think expecting it to be a pretty good film to begin with. So uh, my criticism, I think is where you're, you're kind of coming with it is, I, I'm getting a little, I guess, tired of the, some of the films that this, this one falls in the, the category of. Such as? Which are their smaller, independent, lower-budget films that try to balance that fine line between comedy and drama. Hmm. And you have some funny line deliveries. You have some funny scenes. But in the end, it's going to play the soft, melancholy music during some more dramatic times of the film and you're going to have a lot of silent shots of people standing and drifting off and looking off in the, in the sky and all that in which this film had for oh, like def- the last 20 minutes Definitely. was a great deal of that. Sure. I just feel like it's getting too formulaic with some of these films where, Hey, we've got a comedian and let's throw him into a pseudo comedy drama and let's have him deliver some funny lines, but then let's also have him deal with some dramatic elements and let's make it a little quirky and let's throw in some hip alternative uh, uh, acoustic music, music at the end. And there's a dramatic set piece for like the last 10, 15 minutes of the film. And then it kind of ends ambiguously. That's a formula. I think a lot of films are falling into these days that we find ourselves watching. That was my only complaint with it is I do think the end got very, I won't say predictable, but it was just, it went down the path I expected it to go down sure. for this type of film. That's, that's my criticism of it is I just thought it could have done something a little different. It could have gone a little unique and instead it went very common with this type of uh, independent film. Yeah. And I think kind of along those lines, 
the introduction of the situation. So let's say the first act I thought was pretty strong. Mm -hmm. And then halfway through what you would consider, I guess, to be the second act of the film, the action kind of waned. You kind of knew where it was going. And then the entire third act, which would be the last 20 minutes or so of the film, it just really... Nothing was really there for me. I was kind of yeah. no, not looking at my watch, but kind of just like okay. No, it never got boring, and it, it never got uh, it never got frustrating to watch. It was just it didn't really do anything the last twenty minutes of the film. I guess I think you and I are kind of on the same page with this. Sounds I, like it. Um, I overall liked the film. I did like Will Ferrell in the role. I liked all the parts in the film. Actually, I thought Rebecca Hall did a great job. Much smaller role than I expected. I I, I thought she was going to be kind of the really the second uh, lead in the film and. Her role is much smaller than I thought. Um, Laura Dern, who played a great part, is in there really for one scene, but it is yeah. a very good scene. It's pretty good. Uh, Stephen Root uh, played the kind of an awkward neighbor, and I thought mm-hmm. he had a very, very small but good part. It's all very small parts. And I think even one of our audience members last night made the comment that Will Ferrell is in every scene of this film, maybe except for one or two. Yeah, and there was a really quick... Really short yeah. film. I mean, every scene is him. So he really... This is all his film. There's right. nobody else that really registers even a bigger blip activity-wise on the screen than he does. Um, but the the smaller bit parts that we did have, I thought were all really well done. So Yeah, I'd, I'd, you got to give a word to uh, Christopher Jordan Wallace, who mm-hmm. played... I guess if you're going to say a second oh, yeah. supporting actor, it would be the kid. That's true. Yeah, actually, and, you're uh, right. He probably had the second most screen time of anybody. And I thought he was amazing. And I thought it was cool that he's uh, Biggie Smalls' son. So, Notorious B.I.G. Is he really? Yeah, which I think he actually looks a lot like him, too. I did not so, know that. Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, the, he plays uh, Will Ferrell, the main character, is kind of a confidant after a while. He plays his... Uh, and manages his yard sale and becomes the uh, salesman for the yard sale, which is yeah. all done really well. I thought that the whole experience between um, Farrell's character and uh, Kenny, Kenny. Uh, the young kid, mm-hmm. their dynamic was great. I think just that uh, very strange father-son relationship they developed over the course of the film, especially how it ties into sales and just sharing, passing along that knowledge was was really well done. What did you think about uh, Michael Pena, who played Will Ferrell's friend and sponsor in AA? Apparently, I, I, I thought it was a very slight role. I, I think he, I didn't notice anything extraordinary. It was a very straightforward performance for me. Nothing really registered as being great or bad or anything with it. So something to me, I mean, it was a very small, small yeah. role, but something to me seemed a little off. I didn't know if it just didn't seem as authentic, or they didn't. I don't know. Something about hmm. it just seemed kind of. I guess in a way, kind of cardboard. I mean, it was a small role. It was a very, kind of cardboard it was a very static, uh, not a lot of range on that role. Right. Absolutely. And this is the first time director too, which I thought was interesting. Are you familiar at all with the uh, short story it's based on? No, no. I like the writer of Raymond Carver. Raymond Carver, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. But um, I'm not familiar with the short story at all. And actually, you know, and he the. Dan Rush, the director, he adapted it. He wrote the film, but based it on the short story. And yeah, I guess maybe that's the problem is you took the short story and there you didn't add enough meat to really justify kind of a third act. It could have almost been a short film or something. True. And I think that's the problem. But, you know, hey, first time director and writer. So, you know, it wasn't bad, but I think a more established director and maybe, you know, maybe would have added some more meat to the bones of the movie and made it an excellent film as opposed right. to an Just okay a film. good film. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the concept is great. I mean, of course it's, it's, uh, you know, uh, in case we didn't really recap it, uh, you know, gentleman ends up basically living out in his front yard and, and putting on a yard sale 
for his items as a way of kind of cleansing his life to some degree after all the uh, turmoil he'd been going through. The concept is great, and I think that the time where we really focus on him living in his front yard and what he's going through emotionally was great. It's when it started to kind of get outside of the yard, I think I lost a little bit of interest towards the end. So sure. that was kind of an interesting way it was set up there. But overall, we're both saying it's a good film. Yeah. Not a great film. Not anything we're going to go out and sing his praises left and right, but it was a good enough film. And I'd, I would say, too, that hopefully it'll get Will Ferrell more work as far as dramatic roles, as well as comedic roles, which he'll probably always have plenty of. But I look forward to seeing... Hopefully, I guess his version of Goodwill Hunting. You know, Robin mm. Williams was a comedian, and you know, yeah. and he had a serious role, and he did really well. So, like, I think that's out there for Will Ferrell. I think a serious role for him that he'll get a lot of accolades hmm. is is out there. I see okay. it in his future. So, I look forward to look forward to that someday. Very interesting. All right, so everything must go. It is out in some select theaters right now as we're recording this. Uh, I don't know how wide the release really went. I know it's just really gone to a lot of bigger cities right now. And I'm sure it'll be on DVD or Netflix here in the, probably the next four to five months as well. So I encourage you to check it out if you get a chance and happen to be have it showing in near you. And definitely keep it on your radar for when it comes out on DVD uh, in the near future. So, Chris, we ready to move on to some movie news? Sure. This is I, I get excited about this because my job with the movie news is – either to try to stump Mr. Fry with a movie news he's not familiar with and get his reaction or bring him into areas that maybe his comfort zone don't take him. And that's kind of where I'm heading today. Excellent. Uh, During the Foot Candle films, this has just been our second episode. So we're, we're still kind of learning the ropes a little bit here, but in the first two episodes, you know, we've, we've talked about two films that may feature some big actors and big names, but are still smaller movies. Okay. Okay. Our recommendations. I kind of know where your recommendations are going to go this week. And, and I think, you know, mine as well. They're both also going somewhat smaller on the, the size scale. Okay. So let's turn to movie news that may be a little bigger in scope on terms. <laughs> okay. So this is what I call how much does Chris know about big blockbusters coming out in the next year? Mm-hmm. Okay. okay. <laughs> so here we go. I'm going to talk about three films that have gotten a lot of buzz lately, or they're either putting out trailers or uh, some interesting production notes to it. And I just want to kind of get your feel on where you feel like uh, you fall in the interest scale on these films in general. Sure. All right. And they're all three franchises as well. So that even makes it a little more interesting. Okay. So first film, uh, the next Mission Impossible film. Okay. It's called Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol. Starring Mr. Cruz once again. So he is reprising his, uh, his role. And director Brad Bird, which okay. I'm personally curious about. For those not aware, Mr. Bird is a animation director traditionally. Uh, directed the Iron Giant, directed the Incredibles. Okay. I believe also did Ratatouille. I um, think so. Yeah. So this is his first live action film, and not only is it star Tom Cruise, but also Mr. Jeremy Renner from mm. Hurt Locker and a few other films as well. So with that, Chris. Interest level, high, low, couldn't care less, what? Um, I guess maybe a medium. Medium, um, okay. Yeah, but That's you know, right. in general, um, I did like the third Mission Impossible. The third one that was J.J. Uh, Abrams. Correct, film. Yeah. correct. Um, but in general, I guess I'm tired of, I mean, who isn't, I guess, tired of Tom Cruise. So he would not be a reason to go see it. Mm-hmm. Um, fourth Mission Impossible, not a reason. But Brad Bird doing his first live action. Okay, you know, that that could be interesting. Sure. Um Jeremy Renner, I do like him. He was really good in The Hurt Locker. Um, mm-hmm. I'll be interested to see. Do we know what role he's? Is he playing like the the bad guy? Like, I don't believe uh, so. Philip no, Seymour I think Hoffman he's did? playing. Uh, I think he's playing another agent alongside uh, oh, okay. Ethan Hawke. 
No, not Ethan Hawke. Well, That'd be funny. Ethan, <laughs> Tom Cruise. Who was Tom Cruise's characters? Ethan Hunt. Ethan, Ethan Hawke. Yes. Oh, Ethan Hawke. Sorry, Mr. Hawke. I didn't mean to <laughs> imply you're in this film. Uh, no, I think he's playing another agent alongside okay. Tom Cruise's character. I don't think he's the bad guy. I don't actually remember who's the bad guy in this one. So, hmm. um, okay. Well, I just wanted to gauge your interest well, there. I let's go ahead. I would say too. Um, I don't know how involved Brad Bird was with the script of any of his other films. I think he's very involved with is a lot he? of his other scripts. Now, this okay. one, I don't think he is. Oh, uh, I don't think he's. <laughs> I could oh, be wrong. Oh. Now, I do. J.J. Th- Abrams is executive producing. Oh, so there he is. is still some involvement okay. there with the the people from the third film. Okay, because I, I know that usually Abrams has a lot to do with script and stuff too, yeah. in addition to directing. So that's why I thought the third one was good. So if he's still kind of around, gives, for the fourth gives you a little then, interest there, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I personally love the spy genre. Uh, I, I really liked the first and the third Mission Impossible. Did not like the second one at all, the John Woo film. Yeah. Um, but I love the third one. I thought the third one was a great spy, espionage, team-based, you know, the actual Mission Impossible team as opposed to just being Tom Cruise running around. I liked it. I liked it a lot. If they can carry that over to the fourth one, and I'm a big fan of Brad Bird's work as well, this could be a fun ride. So okay. Great. Cool. Number two, a little different, The Muppets. What do you know about the new Muppets film? You've been uh, following it much? You didn't hear much about it? I know that uh, – what's the guy from um, – Jason Siegel? Yes, thank you. Jason Siegel. I know that he is in it. He's a star, and actually he's a producer and writer and for wrote, the film as well, right, which is right. what I wanted to kind of toss out to you. They're trying to kind of bring the Muppets back into a little more of a today's culture and get us a little more in the forefront. And I think also kind of uh, take it back to more of its – uh, a little more adult tone, it, it's undertone anyway. Not to say it's going to be a, a, a not a kids movie. It's still a kids movie. But it'll probably be PG as opposed to G. Well, it, it could be, and also it's it's just got that back to that. They're trying to get it back to that original Muppets humor where adults could enjoy it just as much as the kids. Sure. I think they got away from that with some of the later films. I mean, my kids have seen them, but I could care less about. Anything I've seen, Muppet Muppets Treasure filmed. Island, yeah, oh. exactly, you know, Christmas movie and all Muppets that. Muppets in space. Can, can, <laughs> But getting back to kind of that original feel of the Muppets, you know, which was always more of a little more contemporary, little more adult Sesame Street in a way. But we do have Justin, Jason Siegel, both writing, starring, and producing it as well. That's a good sign. Yeah, Amy Adams is in it okay, as well. She plays his. I guess. Yeah. yeah, I don't really know much about the plot or anything. Romantic interest or spouse. Does it really matter? Does no. plot really matter in a film like this? No. It's a bunch of puppets. Okay, right. it's going to be good. Well, right? and a bunch of puppets that are hopefully going to be kind of like they were in Forgetting Sarah Marshall, where he does that whole musical with Dracula. Oh, that's right. Yes. Yeah. So if the Muppets are handled like the Dracula musical was in Forgetting Sarah Marshall, I'm so ah. there. It's not even funny. I mean, okay. it's I forgot that all was about that. Awesome. Forgetting Sarah Marshall, fun movie. The whole end part with the Dracula musical was that was good awesome. you're right I forgot all about that so he's had some experience with puppets oh, yeah. singing puppets before yes good that bodes well yes. that does bode very well I'm personally excited about it you know I'm looking forward to a good movie that I can take my kids to and me personally enjoy it as well I'm getting a little sick of some of the kids films that I have to go to and that they just don't speak as much on the adult level as, as I think some of the other ones could. When was speaking of that? And I think probably the reason why you may be getting sick of it. What was the last non animated kids movie that you saw with your kids that you actually liked? Um, boy, I couldn't even, I couldn't even remember (laughs) one. I mean, uh, 
you know, we, we've gone to see some of the, the superhero movies and whatnot, but I don't really consider those kids films. Sure. So I so guess kids film, no, it's all been animated. And I think it's, yeah, I think that's the problem is you're just so inundated with it that it takes, it has to be pretty much a Pixar production for you to even wake up out of your True. animation coma to realize yeah. that it's good. Yeah. So, so I, I'm, I'm excited about the Muppets. I, you know, bring out the kid in me. I was a Muppets fan growing up as a kid. So this should be fun. Looking Definitely. forward to it. All right. Last one on the mainstream train here. And this is kind of the big one. And uh, sorry, as we already mentioned, superheroes a second ago, but Dark Knight Rises coming out next year, 2012. This is the third supposedly final film of the Christopher Nolan Batman trilogy. Going to be sorry to see him go. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Dark Knight was like, what, made like a bajillion dollars or something. Well, I don't remember the exact number, but tons of money it made. It was a huge hit. And also critically acclaimed, too. I mean, got a lot of good reviews. Well, and how much of that was sympathy because of Heath Ledger's departure? Yeah, could be. But overall, it was still a really good movie. Oh, I thought it was. I still preferred the first one myself. Batman Begins was still my favorite of the two. But uh, they're both really high-caliber films. So now he's making this third one. I'm going to tell you, though, I'm worried about it. Okay? And I'll say this because I always get concerned when I start to hear how many people and possible subplots are being crammed into a big movie. Okay. Whole Spider-Man three problem. Yeah. And just, you know, (laughs) things that anytime you get like in trilogies or second or third movies and you start putting more characters, more subplots, more bad guys, whatever, it gets overblown. It's way too much. Gotcha. So here's my concern. You still got the original guys. You've got the, uh, Michael Caine. You Mm -hmm. of course got, uh, Gary Oldman, Gary Oldman. And I'm drawing a blank. Who plays Batman? Christian Bale. Christian Bale. Bale. Sorry. Wow. Just lost that. Well, if he hasn't been fired for yelling at people. Right. Christian Bale, Michael Caine, Gary Oldman. Gosh, who's the uh, Penguin documentary narrator, uh, Shawshank Redemption. Morgan Freeman. (laughs) Isn't that sad? That's how I know him by. I like the fact that you first said the Penguin documentary narrator. That's That's awesome. That's Morgan Freeman. Right. That's awesome. So you got these guys. They're all in it. Okay. Then you add Anne Hathaway, Jordan Gordon-Levitt. Tom Hardy. Joseph. Yeah. Okay. Joseph. Sorry. Yeah. Marion Cotillard. All right. Right. Which basically those last three were all from inception. So he just basically just brought them all over over. and said, here you go. But you're dropping all of these people in there. Okay. These are all big name actors. I can't imagine he's going to give them a small throwaway part. Are we starting? Is there any concern that this is maybe getting a little too much, a little too bloated? Uh, There's rumors that the guy, uh, Aaron Eckhart, even right. though he supposedly died at the end of the second film, there's a chance. Spoiler. There's been, yeah, sorry <laughs> about that. There's a rumor that he's actually still in the third one. Really? There's a rumor that Liam Neeson, who was in the first one, and we think also died in the first one, is also back in the third one. Well, that would be okay. Yeah. Um, well, this is the comic book nerd coming out. but um, Yeah, nerd alert. Yes. So go ahead and but be the, prepared. But uh, the character that he played in the first movie, which yeah. I can't remember his name right now. Toronto Blank. Yeah, there you go. Mm, I'm so good. I'm yeah, not I'm the only nerd. nerd. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, his whole thing is he has a Lazarus chamber that he can like resurrect and everything. Yeah. So, I mean, Grant, I don't think Nolan would go there because his whole thing has been realism and he's trying to like yeah. not make this – he's trying to make a realistic superhero movie. So mm-hmm. he doesn't want to do like superpowers and all this crazy stuff. So I don't know if he would go the Lazarus chamber route. But Ra's al Ghul reincar- coming back, yeah. that'd be okay. But I just get concerned I about the sheer number of people I'm hearing in this production. Anytime I start to hear way too many people and possibly way too many characters, you know, Anne Hathaway is supposed to be Catwoman. Catwoman. Okay. Uh, Tom Hardy is supposed to be a character, Bane. Okay. Yeah, which if you remember what in the really crappy Batman and Robin movie a few years ago. Um, that was – I think that might have been um, – 
that was Venom who helped out Poison Ivy and not Now Bane. you're thinking Spider-Man now. Spider-Man's Venom. Venom. No, no, no. Okay. No, it's Bane. Bane is, is Bane? the guy's name. But Venom is the stuff that uh, he's got Comes in, into. pipes yeah. into him. Yeah. Wow. That you was... said you're a comic book. No, no. Okay. Okay. When the first movie had come out, I yeah. hadn't read the whole Bane stuff, but right. I have now. So okay. now I know. But I didn't realize that was who it was supposed to be with yeah. Poison Ivy. Wow. Mm. They did that very poorly. Yes, they did. So <laughs> I, mean, I hated the movie anyway. I tried to block it out. Man, we have gotten way down the nerd path here. But that's Batman okay. was on a surfboard in that movie. Yes, he was. And had ice skates popping yeah. out of his boots. Um <laughs> Anyway, Dark Knight Rises coming out next year. I'm I'm on record saying, hey, I'd love for it to be just as good as the first two, but I'm just concerned about Overkill right now. So, uh, and you know, in a way, Christopher Nolan he's batting a thousand on all of his films so far. It's going to be hard not for him to let people down. I yeah. think after the hype and everything. That's right. I, I think th- after the first two, it's going to be an automatic. There's going to be people complaining about it no oh, matter sure. what. But um, I'm very curious to see where it goes. I think I think I will like it. But I don't think it'll probably be like, you know, the best film ever. Yeah. You know, I walked out of Inception and was just like floored. Um, yeah. So, but he does handle big casts well. He does. Because he did in Inception. I mean, the, he had a lot of the same in, people. The difference he, with Inception, though, is we went in, I, you went in with no understanding of what that movie was going to be about. True. And it just kind of kind of took you for a ride. True. This one, you know, people are going in with some real high expectations. So be very curious to see. We'll get back to your show in a moment. Just a reminder, you're listening to The Mesh, an online media network of shows and programs ranging from business to arts, sports to entertainment, music to community. All programs are available on the website as well as through iTunes and YouTube. Find out more at themesh.tv and give us feedback on what you like. And now, as promised, back to your show. Let's kind of jump into our recommendations here. And this is the part of the show where we like to each give at least one recommendation of a film that either we've seen recently or just been reminded of recently that we want to share with you guys and, and, and encourage you to check out if you get a chance. So, Chris, do you want to go first? Sure. All right. What you got for us? I have the film Rubber. Everybody, this is what our killer looks like. Tired. What brand of tire? Probably brandless. Yes. Is it black? Imagine, if you will, a whole movie framed around a killer tire. And you said tire. Oh, yeah. Like car tire. Goodyear. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Um, this movie, yeah, it's not for everyone. If you don't like, if you're not really into movies, definitely don't watch this movie. Okay. Um, but you probably wouldn't be listening to the podcast if you weren't really into movies. Mm, um, but yeah, it's, it's, for, it's a movie lover's movie. But it's also, you got to have a little bit of David Lynch love in there because mm. it is kind of strange and bizarre. And it also breaks the fourth wall. By that, I mean characters direct their lines directly towards the camera and talk to the audience as if you could okay, talk. So back. it's basically saying, yeah, we understand we're in a movie and you're an audience and, yes. and we're talking to you. Yes. Right. And I, you know, I, I was along for that ride. If you don't like that kind of commentary and um, kind of inside baseball with movies and then don't, don't see it, but I loved it. And I knew, really? go- yeah, oh yeah. And I knew going in that, it's kind of a B horror movie. That's like, that's the framework they use. It's kind of mocking that, you know, right, B okay, horror I'm movie. Sorry, I'm sorry. It's a B movie horror movie 
about a killer tire? Yes. Okay, I just want to make yeah. sure that's clear. Make sure we didn't, I didn't misunderstand you on anything. And I don't, okay. I don't want to say a whole lot more about it, but one of the, because you, you just have to kind of go into it mm-hmm. <laughs> with that mindset. But I will say that one of the uh, structures of the movie is that there are people watching the movie as it happens with binoculars. And they're as if they're the audience on screen watching this movie being shot. And t- mm-hmm. so there's like several like, levels that you can think about this movie. So it's, I, I, I loved it. And, you know, even if the movie gets a little old to you, it's only 85 minutes or so. So it's not no, like it's two sure. hours of, yeah. you know, somebody trying to be all pompous and like teach you lessons and try to make you think, no, it's like 80 minutes. So mm. I thought it was pretty good. And, you know, for it to be a horror movie, it's not, it's not overly violent really. And it's kind of comic book violence, the stuff that's in it. And okay. it's not, um, gory or anything like that, which you would expect like a B movie. A lot of times they go for the gore because they don't have any stories. So well, I mean, when I think of a killer tire killing people movie, I expect a lot of gore. So you're saying that's not there. <laughs> no, I mean, there is blood and stuff, okay. but it's not, you know, I it's, I think it's toned down. It's a, it's a, it's a tire. Yeah, it is a tire. Like off of a car or a truck yes. or something. Yes. Going around killing people. Yes, with it, it has okay. um, it can. It's like ESP type thing. It can, oh, it's got a power too. Yes, okay. that's how That's, it kills that people. makes more sense. So it doesn't have hands or anything. Yeah. It is. It looks just like a tire. Mm-hmm. So yes, okay. I believe the tire's name is Robert. I think. Oh, and it has a name. I, th- I believe so. Wow, yeah. this but gets it's never better. Explained. I think that's just how they refer to it. Robert, the, the killer tire with ESP. Yes. All right, you it's hear awesome. it right here from Chris Fry. Check it out. Uh, is it is it on Netflix? Um, yeah, I had to, they had a Netflix, but you had to get the DVD, but now it is streaming as oh, well. Oh, streaming. So, so I could yes. be checking that out tonight then. You could be. We meant to do a follow-up on our next episode. How did Alan respond to, <laughs> uh, was it Steve? What was the name of the tire? Robert. 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 The killer, uh, tire. The killer tire. Movie. Okay. Rubber. There you go. Uh, yeah, mine's about the same. Um, this is <laughs> my recommendation is a film called The Concert. Um, it's about the same as the one you just described, except there's no tires. Nobody dies. And uh, nobody has ESP. Andrei Semyonovich Filipov, you are boss. This is a film that we actually showed in partnership with the Hickory International Council just a couple of weeks ago. And uh, the film's called The Concert. It's got a lot of uh, foreign names that I'm actually absolutely horrible in saying. So I'm going to kind of butcher those right now. Uh, but it is a Russian film that also takes place partly in France as well. So okay. a combination Ru- Russian-French film gotcha. directed by Radu Mihalanu. Whoa, that Sounds was good. bad. Um, please correct me on that, anybody out there, on how bad I butchered that. The only star that you would recognize is a Melanie Laurent, ah, who was from Inglorious Bastards. Bastards. Yes, yeah. she played the uh, the young girl that grew up and uh, did not die with the rest of her family, and went on to buy the movie theater and extract her revenge on the Nazi Party. Gotcha. In this film, she is a very uh, widely known celebrity violin player. And the idea behind the film is you follow a conductor who is no longer a conductor. He was uh, removed from that role because he actually employed uh, Jewish musicians in his orchestra. 
And this was at a time where that was forbidden, so he was stripped of his title as conductor. And now we're looking at him maybe 15, 20 years later. He's a janitor at the same orchestra house that he okay. used to perform in. Uh, and it takes a, it's a little sitcom-y in that it, it takes the idea that he happens to just intercept a fax meant for the director of the symphony to have to invite that orchestra to come play in France for a big performance. He intercepts it. He gets the wild idea that he can actually reassemble his old old orchestra and go and actually fake that they're that symphony okay. and go perform and get his moment of glory again and all that. On the surface, that sounds very comical, and it is. It's a very funny movie. Um, but uh, And it does take its own, like I said, a kind of a sitcom route at times where it's very uh, – uh, funny situations and a lot of chance situations that you know seem a little ridiculous at times. However, I'll tell you, by the end of this film, there is a lot of heart going on in this film. The last 15 minutes are nothing but them actually playing the concerto that they were hired to play, and the the, the performers coming together, and it just this magical moment. Huh. There's a connection with the young woman that uh, Melanie Laurent plays that. I won't go into and spoil, but you find out that there's a connection between them all that she wasn't even aware of. Okay. And it just, the last performance, when we showed this at the uh, Film Society a few weeks ago, we actually had a rupture of applause after the performance was done at the end. Okay. Um, so it was a great film, really, really good film. Yes, there's subtitles. I know there's some of our listeners who are not that crazy about subtitles, a lot of reading. Yes, but the music itself will just will carry this film. I think it was beautiful. Uh, it got a little dusty in the uh, theater for a few people towards the end. Hmm. Great film. I was really, really impressed with it. It is on Netflix, not on streaming. You got to get the DVD or go out and rent it somewhere. But try to hunt this one down. This is a good film. I really, really enjoyed it. So sounds like at the end there was you know a lot of emotion, emotional power. So do you feel like it earned yeah, yeah, yes, absolutely. Okay. I feel like it. Because during the course of the film, and there again, I'm not going to spoil anything, but they lead you to believe that certain revelations are going to be made. Okay. And if those were revelations did come out to be true, it'd be a little cliche. Okay. But they actually turn it a little bit. Oh. And actually it, you find out it's not what you really thought it was. And the connection is very uh, was very authentic to me. The the the, the revelations, the the emotional payoff at the end. I think they earned it. I really do. So okay, I I thought it was a great film. I uh, I know our mesh producer uh, was a little eh on it, Mayor Margaret, and did not care for it as much. But that's okay. I think uh, I'm here to say because she's not hosting this show. I am. I'm gonna say <laughs> recommend it. Go out and see it. You'll enjoy it. Okay. So great. So I think we got our two recommendations, two completely opposite choices, which is always Sounds fun. Like it. Uh, we both agreed on our film, Everything Must Go, uh, although we're not giving it a solid recommendation. We're saying it's worth checking out, especially if you're a fan of Will Ferrell as an actor, maybe not necessarily as a comedian. Um, so, and with that, and we covered some mainstream news just to kind of appease that side of our, our film-going brains as well. So with that... Uh, I guess we can talk about our, our our movie for next month, right? Yeah. We are bringing to the Film uh, Foot Candle Film Society next month, August 11th. We'll be bringing the film The Tree of Life by Terrence Malick. So that film will be shown on Thursday, August 11th. And then the following week, we'll actually uh, have a, a new episode up of this podcast where we'll be discussing that film as well as some more movie news and also our recommendations for the month. So with that. Chris, we did our second one. We uh, Do we get a prize for two episodes or is it? Sure. Yeah. We I get to have a weekend? Yeah, we get to have a weekend. <laughs> Perfect. That, that sounds good. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Uh, we always encourage any feedback, ideas, suggestions you may have for us. You can send an email to us at 
uh, info at themesh.tv, or you can send it to info at footcandle.org. Uh, the Mesh website, where this is the whole network that we're a part of, is themesh.tv. Uh, but you can also visit our Film Society uh, website at www.footcandle.org. Either way, let us know what you like or don't like about the show, suggestions, ideas, or even questions that we can help answer on future episodes. We'd be happy to do that. So uh, with all that being said, I'm Alan Jackson. I'm Chris Fry. We're signing off for episode number two. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next month. been listening to The Mesh, an online media network of shows and programs ranging from business to arts, sports to entertainment, music to community. All programs are available on the website as well as through iTunes and YouTube. Check us out online at themesh.tv. Discover other network shows and give us feedback on what you just heard.